0: you know the very first gospel message of the new testament no it wasn't by the lord jesus or even one of his disciples it was actually given by john the baptist the forerunner of the messiah we may never know how many heard that cry for themselves with their own ears but we do know that at the jordan river it rang out loud and clear as john pointed to the lord jesus christ and cried behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world There was no question as to who he was talking about. There stood before them all a unique and sinless man, who by baptism identified himself with the rebellious nation of Israel, and indeed the whole world. He came to stand in the place of sinners. He was God's great solution to the universal problem of sin, and he was willing and able to be the Lamb, the perfect offering to satisfy the justice and righteousness of God. And every gospel message since that day has pointed to the same person. Behold the Lamb of God. In today's message, speaker Dan Shutt takes up God's great solution for sin, found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the invitation for individuals to trust in him alone for salvation.
1: John chapter 1 and verse number 29. John seeth Jesus coming to him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So I want to speak to you a little this afternoon about the first gospel message of the New Testament. It's very interesting to me that when I look through the New Testament of my Bible, there are a number of firsts when it comes to preaching the gospel. In Acts chapter 2, for example, Peter is preaching the first gospel message of this new dispensation, this day of grace that we find ourselves in today. When I come to Acts chapter 13, we have the first recorded gospel message of the Apostle Paul, and what a powerful, soul-stirring message that was. But what we have read here, just in 13 brief words, is the first really, I think, gospel message of the New Testament. And I want to spend a few minutes with you just thinking about these glorious words from the lips of John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John was a unique man with a unique message. I might think, first of all, about the uniqueness of his birth. It was promised by an angel. In fact, his name was given before he was born. He was born almost, I would say, in a miraculous way, to very elderly parents beyond the normal years of childbearing and childbirth. He was a preacher that fearlessly denounced sin. I have often thought that there was nothing politically correct about John the Baptist. He didn't appear like other men. The Bible says that he dressed in a coat that was out of woven camel hair. I don't know how you get camel hair, but it must have been quite a remarkable coat that he wore. It was girded about with a leather belt and his diet was no less unique. He lived on protein and fructose. And if that doesn't make any sense to you, he ate grasshoppers and he ate wild honey. But this man, I would say, was unique in that he fearlessly preached what the religion of the day had so carelessly omitted. He preached the depravity of man's heart. He preached that we were all sinners in desperate need of repentance. And he pointed his audience away to a savior who was coming, a savior who was going to take away their sin. And his preaching, I think, is summarized in this brief message. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I would just say that there are a couple of lessons that I learn as a gospel preacher from this text. Number one, be short. John the Baptist, in 13 short words, actually distilled the gospel message of the New Testament. Many have preached it more voluminously. No one has preached it more carefully and accurately. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I might add to that that he was a man who pointed his audience to Christ. And so I want to turn your eyes to the Lord Jesus today, again, now in the gospel. And I have just three or four things that I want to present as I speak the gospel this afternoon. I want to tell you that this text, taken from the preaching of John the Baptist, is a text that reminds us of a universal problem. I find that very simply at the end of what John the Baptist said Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You know, we're living in a world where speaking about sin is deeply unpopular. The whole concept of guilt has been pushed aside as some psychological aberration, and the wickedness and the depravity and the rebellion of the human heart is now redefined as illness or mistakes or deficiencies. When the Bible looks at the human heart, it recognizes that our great problem is the problem of our sin. I love the way that John the Baptist didn't cut any corners. I love the way that he did not soften the blow for those who listened to him. The problem, he said, was sin, and the solution was to look to Christ. You know, there are those today that take comfort that their sin is about the same as everybody else's that they know. They have a herd mentality, that assumes that because others are sinners, that somehow God will give them a pass on their own personal disobedience. You know, I always remember the words of Isaiah 53. It's a very important text, and many have been led to the Savior through it, and I want to quote these words to you. All we like sheep have gone astray. It is indeed true that the sin of the world is the general problem for which the Savior came. But I want you to think of what Isaiah goes on to say. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. This is the message of the Bible. It is not simply a message of universal sin, of general depravity. It is a message of personal guilt before God. The Bible says that there is no difference for that all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. And whether you are a person who is very refined and educated and does not participate in the grosser sins of life, or whether you are a wretch today who has sunk to the lowest depths, listen to what God says. Listen to God's assessment of your heart. There is no difference that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, that sin has created a guilty distance between ourselves and God the story of Adam and Eve. This couple placed in an ideal environment, enjoying all the blessings of God's creation, and above all, communion with God himself. You know, it isn't being naked that was the problem. The problem was they were separated from God. I hope today that there will be someone within the sound of my voice that will recognize their problem is not a lack of money or education or influence or the things that this world treasures your problem today and my problem is the problem of our sin and unless that sin is forgiven unless that burden of sin is removed dear friend you will perish in your sins paul in writing to the thessalonians describes what it is going to be like for people to come unto the Under the judgment of God. This is what it says. It says that they will experience everlasting existence apart from the presence of the Lord. You know, there are people when they preach about hell and the lake of fire, they focus on the fire. They focus on the torments that the rich man described. But I want to tell you that I don't know anything as terrifying as this. That men and women who die in their sins, that go out into eternity without a savior and without their sins forgiven, that they are going to be in a place that is absolutely away from the presence of the Lord forever. You and I, there isn't a single person in this world that knows what it is, at least in this life, to be God forsaken. I want to tell you, there was only one man that was ever forsaken by God in this world, and that was the Lord Jesus. I'll talk about him in a minute. But I want to tell you that you and I are not God forsaken. We are God blessed. God has given us the gift of life. He has lavished upon us every day a tsunami of blessing. Every breath is a gift from God. Every meal is a mark of his beneficence and his kindness. And oh, the providential care that he has wrapped us and enveloped us in what a good God we have. We're not God forsaken. We are God blessed. And oh, above all, there is the blessing of the gospel and the offer of God's mercy, the extension of his grace, the offer of everlasting life through the Lord Jesus. But oh, dear friend, listen carefully to me. If you live without God, and if you die without Christ, you will be without them for eternity. It is as if God says, I have given you two choices. You could live with me and love me and live in communion with me, depend on me and trust me and my son. Or you can go your own way. You can live as you please, as you see fit. You can go far from me. And I tell you, dear friend, this is the solemn reality. At the end of a life like that, God is going to say, that's the way you want it. That's the way you'll have it. And they will go away from that great white throne into the outer darkness that will never be relieved by the presence of God or by the light of his presence. Oh, dear friend, today may God impress upon you the universal problem of sin that is your personal problem. And listen to the words of John the Baptist Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But I'd like to talk about God's unique solution. I think this is absolutely wonderful. We have a God in heaven, who is a God who knows everything. And he knows everything about us. That is something that when I was not saved, especially, it made me tremble. May I assure you today that God knows more about you than you know about yourself. And he knows about the problem of our sin, and the problem of our rebellion. But let me tell you, as dreadful as that knowledge is, and I say again, it's a dreadful thing to know that God knows everything about my heart. Listen carefully. God also knows the solution to my problem. I tell you today, I could shout hallelujah. What a wonderful thing that the God who recognizes my guilt and my need has moved in grace to take that sin away and grant me the gift of eternal life. What a great God we have, and what a great Savior we proclaim, and it's my great joy to point you to the Lamb of God. The Bible begins with a series of lambs. There is the lamb that was slain to provide the coats of skin for Adam and Eve. There was the lamb that Abel offered, that gave him acceptance before God. There was the lamb that Noah offered in thanksgiving for the deliverance of the ark. And of course, there was the lamb that was offered at the beginning of the book of Exodus, the Passover lamb, the lamb whose blood was applied to the sides and the top of the door. And the word of God came, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Well, those were all great pictures, wonderful pictures that point us forward to the one great lamb who would come And I love the words of Genesis chapter 22. You'll remember that Abraham and Isaac were going up the mountain. Isaac is looking around and he says, "Uh, Dad, you know, there's something missing here. There's fire and there's wood and there's a knife and we're going up the mountain to the place of sacrifice. But where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice that is going to be offered upon the altar? Listen to the words of Abraham today. My son, God will provide for himself the lamb. You know, there are thousands, likely tens of thousands, especially when you add up all of the lambs that Solomon and others offered, maybe millions for all I know, of lambs that were offered on Israel's altar. But you know that day thousands of years ago, Abraham, speaking by the Holy Spirit, was pointing our minds not to a lamb or, or some group of lambs. He was pointing Isaac's heart to the lamb that God was going to provide. What is it then that makes the lamb so special to God? It is simply this. It is the blood of the lamb that is offered as a sacrifice, that is offered substitutionarily in the place of sinners. You know, that's what Peter was thinking about when he wrote, we have been redeemed. We're saved, not with silver and gold, things that the world calculates to be valuable. But Peter says, with the precious blood of Christ. I'm so thankful for the lamb that God gave. There's so much that might be said about him. He is the gentle lamb. He is the tender lamb. He is the pure lamb. But above all, I take the words of Isaiah 53. He is the lamb who is led to the slaughter, the lamb who is taken away to Calvary, where he yielded his life for us. My dear friend today, I want to point you to the Lord Jesus, and I want to point you to Calvary. You see, when John said, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, he had in mind God's unique. And wonderful solution to the problem of our sin. It was a lamb who would shed his blood. It was a lamb who would die. It was a lamb who would offer himself as a sacrifice so that you and I might be forgiven, so that you and I might have eternal life. And so we have thought about the universal problem that is the problem of our sin. And we have thought about God's unique solution the Father sent the Son. To be the savior of the world. Thank God the Lamb of God came. Thank God that John the Baptist saw him. Behold the Lamb of God. Thank God, even in this meeting, there are many of us and we have trusted him. We've looked to the Lamb and he has brought us life and peace. I want to speak thirdly about an urgent responsibility. Because at the very head of this text, the first word of this short gospel message is just this Behold, look, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I have come today to tell you that there is life and forgiveness in a look to Christ. What God wants us to do is to look to him, not with our eyes, or to have some vision, or some dream, or some imagination of him. What God wants us to do is to depend on him. And what we cannot supply what we cannot do for ourselves. God has done so graciously for us in the person of His Son. He has given him to Calvary. He has given him to the sacrifice and the blood and the death and the resurrection of that place. He did that for me and now he wants me simply to depend upon it. And so I hope today that you'll have a look at Christ, one of the most prolific gospel hymn writers that's found in our Green hymn book that we have used for many decades among the gospel halls is a hymn written by a man named John Stockton. This is what John Stockton wrote. Look to the savior on Calvary's tree. See how he suffered for thee and for me. Hark while he lovingly calls to thee. Look and thou shalt live. Look and thou shalt live. Look and thou shalt live. Look to the cross where he died for thee. Look and thou shalt live. And so we have thought about this uh, tremendous guilt that we have, and we have thought about the unique savior that God sent to take it away. And we have thought about God's invitation to look to and to depend upon his son and receive everlasting life. I have one little point, and with this, I'm going to close. I'm going to talk about the undeniable result of looking to Christ. Listen to what John's text says again: Behold, the Lamb of God. Which taketh away the sin of the world. What does this little expression, take away, mean? It's interesting that the word that John used, take away, in our King James Version, is actually the word that is used to lift a burden. It reminds me of the words of the Lord Jesus Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, who are heavily burdened, and I will. Give you rest. How does God give rest to the sinner? Because he lifts the burden. That burden that was on me, he lifted. Now, I might add to that 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 is a beautiful picture of what was done at Calvary, that he took the burden that belonged to me. And the one who was sinless was made sin for me. He bare my sin in his own body on the tree. He lifted what rightly belonged upon a world of guilty sinners. And he took it upon himself. But the point I'm trying to make just now is this. If you look to him, there is something that will inevitably happen. The burden is going to be lifted and sin is going to be taken away. That is the promise of the Savior, the promise of eternal life. Many years ago in the city of Toronto, I met the author of a famous hymn. I uh, had in mind that most famous hymns were written several hundred years ago. And even though some of you think I'm quite old, I'm not old enough to remember John Stockton or Helen Lemmel or anybody else. But Mr. John Moore wrote a hymn that I so dearly love. And I'm so glad I got to meet him. It's just this little hymn, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. Dear friend, if you have come to this broadcast with a burden of sin upon your soul, let me turn you to the lovely person of the Lord Jesus. Let me point out once again the accomplishments of his cross and the work that he accomplished there and tell you that your burden of sin can be lifted. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. If only you will look to him and depend on him for eternal life. And so as I bring this little message to a close, let me do it in the simplest way I know, to quote again this first gospel message of the New Testament. The words of John the Baptist, may they become very real and significant and saving in your life. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world.
0: Yes, Christ invites one and all to come to him for salvation. He's God's perfect lamb, the only one who could pay the price of sin. Have you taken this lamb of God as your own? You need to. God will accept no other offering. He is God's only remedy. Look to Christ today, won't you, and know what it's like to have the burden of sin lifted once and for all. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, Or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ, who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message, and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd.